Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Marketing Nerds. My name is Kelsey Jones. I'm the executive editor at Search Engine Journal, and I'm excited to be joined here today by Erin Robbins. She is the president and COO of Ginza Metrics. Erin, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I know today we wanted to talk a little bit about how marketing and sales can uh, work together. And so the first thing I thought of when we were discussing that topic is cross-training. I've seen a lot of benefits from, you know, just the marketing and sales department, just kind of knowing what each other's talking about. Is that something that you have found useful, especially when it comes to discussing data? Yeah, I mean, it's so important to understand what everybody's talking about, um, not just because it obviously helps the customer or potential prospects have a more seamless experience across um, mediums, right? So, I mean, and not just understanding, um, you know, sales, understanding what marketing is sending out to attract customers, but marketing should be getting ideas on what topics and content to create and things to cover based on feedback that sales is getting, right? So it really should be cyclical. Um, And then once you everybody's kind of having these discussions, what you're really able to do is set up your data capturing um, and analysis programs to better figure out kind of how to do that in the future, um, make smarter decisions, and really kind of give the customer um, an overall better experience that never really feels like somebody's passing the baton or that there are these kind of breaks in experience between when somebody's initially getting product awareness and when they start speaking to sales. And then again, when they become a customer and then maybe have an account manager or onboarding process. Yeah, I've worked in companies before where I've seen a big um, gap in between, you know, sales and marketing communicating. So there is a lot of confusion sometimes if there's not a cohesive reporting process or the way that the data is presented. And so I know that that can be confusing to the customer. Yeah, I think that it gives customers kind of this weird feeling like they are a baton being passed from department to department, right? As opposed <laughs> yeah. to feeling like it's one company that they're having this experience with. Um, and nobody wants to feel like they're being handed off, right? Nobody wants to feel that, you know, call center feeling where it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to put you on hold for a minute and forward you to this other department. Mm-hmm. They'll give me a minute. Um, you know, you just, once you started a conversation with someone, it's best to keep that conversation going in as natural a format as possible, because anytime you kind of quote unquote, interrupt the conversation, you're making that person feel, um, like they're getting a different experience than the one that they've obviously enjoyed enough to be having it to begin with. Yeah, that's a really good point. So talking more about the data and specifically search data, which I know we wanted to hone on, hone in on today. Um, I know some of the metrics and the way the data is measured, it does vary, you know, between sales and search or marketing. So how can different types of data, you know, help each of these departments in between one another? So right now, I feel like there's a lot of these, you know, metrics and things that people pass around, like X number of leads, or this happened, or that happened, marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads. And I kind of like to steer away from just thinking about things in those terms, and more think about things in what I'll call like, uh, content groups, and keyword groups. And then, you know, the thing that I always talk about when it comes to groupings, and anybody that has ever had to listen to me ramble or rant about something, (laughs) like, this is my favorite topic, which is, If you're setting up things, you know, with both marketing, well, marketing, sales, and customer success and support in mind, the idea is that you should have all these kind of groups for your content around things like 
features, solutions, common questions or problems, issues, topics, all these different ideas, right? And so then what happens is you should be able to look at and see when somebody's coming in from a marketing perspective, what really are like what groups of content or groups of keywords are really leading to that? And then when sales gets a hold of them, is sales actually taking that information and applying it to their conversations or do people's conversations change once they actually get further down the line? And then once they're kind of going through onboarding or have become a customer, what are the most common questions, themes, uh, topics, uh, features that you know people have questions about? How does that either kind of stay consistent or change as people have this experience with your brand. Um, and then the, the reason I'm so big on kind of these ideas of groups is, is that because it allows you to very easily see and understand how someone consumes content and interacts with various aspects of your organization, um, because content and keywords can belong to multiple groups. So this is like another thing that I always like to do is I like to bucket kind of all my emails together too, like not just marketing emails and outbound stuff. I like to say like, Hey sales, we can actually help you craft email conversations that will help you close better if you give us some access to some of this so that we can actually look at keywords and themes that are going on in your emails and how this actually matches or doesn't work with how people were searching for solutions to begin with. Same thing with customer support and success. You know, you're looking at hey, people are writing in having these problems or questions or hey, people are looking at certain types of FAQs. How can we get out ahead of that? a little bit more. And when you group your content like this, you can also see differences there in like locations. So you can say, Hey, in certain locations or among certain types of users, these are kind of common themes. And among other locations or other user types, these are different themes. And then you can actually give this data to your sales team and they're likely to close business a lot more. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's really a different way of thinking of it is it's almost like you're saying to think of it from like a behavioral or problem solution approach rather than just, oh, well, here's this client, their company's worth this much, they're worth, you know, this much in potential revenue. Like instead of thinking of them as just a lead to make money off of, think of, well, what are they really looking for and what do they really actually want from us? Yeah, because it's really never this idea that it's not a linear process as much as it, you know, the funnel makes it seem linear, like everybody just goes down this funnel. Yeah. Um, and I know that recently there's been a lot of conversation about like, oh, well, I mean, over the last few years, it's not super recent, but, um, you know, like, oh, use your customer success and support ideas for blog posts and things like that. But it's more than just mining customer support tickets for blog posts. It's really about saying, hey, you know what? Like, we're getting a lot of questions about this specific feature. This means like people don't understand this or that like it's not explained very well in initial messaging or that sales is, you know, talking about something in a way that cus customers don't end up actually grasping very well. You know, one of the things that I was talking to somebody about yesterday was this idea that, that you know, salespeople and marketing uh, folks like tend to have kind of um, a little bit of a back and forth relationship. And in some organizations that aren't doing things well, it's contentious because everybody wants credit and people are actually mm -hmm. fighting over, you know, who gets credit for things. And that's really a bad way to look at it, right? If you take this approach that it's not a baton handoff and I want credit for running the baton a certain distance <laughs> before it got to you, right? That 
you know, if you just look at it as like, we actually all have to run the race together and we're trying to cross the finish line before our competitors. So everybody's amount of time with the baton is important, regardless of like what this situation is, um, or how far you ran or how fast you ran it, like crossing the finish line first ahead of your competition is the real goal. So when you think about it that way, the idea is you need to know what is going on with people. How is it that like, whatever content or however they found you initially or whatever question you kind of were helping them answer or like light bulb that ticked on when they saw something that you said, it is kind of the the core goal. And with search data, you know, search data is so great because not only are you capturing people who are telling you they're looking for something, right? Because they're actually yeah. searching for it. They're telling you how they're searching for it. And because search terminology, like average search length has continued to increase. Now we're actually a lot of times getting why they're searching for it, right? Not just like reduced fat Oreos. It's like reduced fat Oreos because I gained, you know, 17 pounds over the holidays and like, I have to go to my sister's wedding. So like now, you know, super specifically, like what is going on with people. And you can really have these more detailed conversations amongst your entire organization about like what exactly it is that you need to be talking to somebody about as opposed to just like this one, you know, super general topic. Yeah. And I think you touched on a really important point um, about, you know, in a lot of departments or companies, the relationship is kind of contentious. And that's something that I struggled with, like in my last, I guess, quote, real job before I kind of went on my own and then started working with SEJ is managing expectations. So ours was a very funnel approach. Like you a, a client, potential client would come through sales and then they would, sales would send us the work and um, I guess we were a marketing company so it's a little bit different but um, it, I wanted to ask you more about managing expectations so I know sometimes um, the friction arises is because sales sells a product or a, a certain bundle of packaging and it's not really possible to do, um, you know, within the product fulfillment team. So how can search data kind of help with that in terms of managing expectations, not only for the sales staff, but also for uh, the client as well? So that does happen a lot. And, you know, it was, I, I was talking about this a little bit yesterday um, and kind of going over why this seems to happen so much and looking and saying salespeople aren't going to change, right? They're always probably going to promise <laughs> stuff that you can't actually yeah. give um, immediately. So I think that one of the things, like instead of just fighting sales all the time, which is uh, like most likely not someone's job, right? Like if we're talking to marketers, it's not your job to tell the salespeople to stop doing that. And even if you do, it's like, it's not, they're not going to listen. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I feel like the best possible solution is to say, look, what can I actually do with this information? And the fact that they keep doing this. So in my mind, salespeople are promising somebody something because the person is asking for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if they're promising somebody something because people continue to ask for it, you have to start looking for thematic or recurring asks. So if somebody keeps asking for a specific genre of requests and you're starting to see salespeople continue to promise this, they're getting that information from somewhere. So I would take the terms and things that the sales team is actually promising these people and put them into my keyword searches and say like, I need to track this because what you're probably going to find is that competitors are actually offering that, or it's something that they've heard 
somewhere. Like, why is it that they're bringing this up in these sales conversations? And why is it that they found you and are talking to you about it? And it's not necessarily something you were targeting, right? So like they're waiting until they got in um, and are already this far down the line. So apparently it's not just their core concern necessarily. They came and spoke to you anyway, but this is obviously something that they care about, which is again, something that marketing needs to be tracking from both kind of a, how did they find us? And then why is this like the secondary thing? And then who is actually doing this and fulfilling this need for them? And like, what does that solution look like from a competitor standpoint? Yes, I love that. Instead of getting defensive, um, instead focus on there must be a reason behind why they're asking for that and look more into it using data. That's a really good way to put it. Especially when you're talking about something. So like, I'll give you an example that's not like really super product focused. Um, it's like more soft focused because it is something you can do something about. Um, I was noticing that when people were having calls with us about the platform, one of the recurring conversations that would keep coming up was contract length. And what I did was um, I actually started tracking keywords and terms around SEO platform, content marketing platform contracts. And what I found was that a lot of people really didn't like being forced into these one and two year long contracts. And that's actually how we came back to offering a month to month solution or shorter term contracts with different options. And that was just from watching and saying like, Hey, I'm noticing this. And then what I did was as I started putting those keywords into stuff that I was tracking in the platform, I was like, okay, now I can actually track what people are saying about the competition and what content the competition is creating that has to do with contracts. And then what I can say is, hmm, this is stuff that they're saying that people actually don't seem to like because they're coming to us and asking us about it. So I could actually message against the thing that people seemed frustrated about with the competition. Yes, that's awesome. So instead of, you know, bucking the the request and saying oh we don't do that you know thinking of it as well can we offer this in a different way that is against our competition that would actually help alleviate some of our potential customers pain points and if you don't have the opportunity to to change the way that your product is you know working obviously or you can't you know create the thing that sales has promised. The thing that you can do as a marketer is get out ahead of it in terms of messaging, right? So you can adjust messaging strategies if you're noticing thematic conversations that sales is having and things that they continue to promise over and over again. Hopefully if sales continues to promise something over and over again, the product team, um, you know, and whoever, who's ever in charge of that will get on top of it. But in terms of like what you can do as a marketer is you can get out ahead of it. You can send out emails around it. You can figure out how you can actually try to make that work within the existing structure of your product and then try to create content that will help actually lead people to something that you do currently provide. Yeah, it sounds like you can use the data to do the best that you can within, you know, the freedom you have in the organization. So even if you don't have power to actually transform the product, you could create more content that's answering um, these customers' pain points or their inquiries. Definitely. So cool. Well, there's uh, one other thing that I wanted to ask you that I think is kind of a contentious topic. So I have a um, a great aunt that she is convinced that sales and marketing are the same thing. And obviously, you know, since we're in marketing, we know it's not. But I've seen companies that uh, require a lot of their employees to have um, 
sales experience. So for example, this one company whose name I can't even remember, they do sales training for all of their employees. And I that was super interesting to me. And their stance was if you're interacting with the customer, just having that training um, can help you kind of think of your interactions with them in a different way. Um, do you think that that is helpful, like to have you know, sales training as a marketer or, you know, to have that sales kind of mindset, does that help interpret data at all? Or what are your thoughts? So I think it does like, you know, obviously sales and marketing aren't the same. If they were the same, we would have different, uh, we would have the same title. Um, (laughs) but you know, the, I mean, it's the same thing as saying like advertising and marketing or PR advertising, marketing and sales, like we're all just the same thing and we're really not. Um, but I do feel like having better conversations does prevent what I was referring to earlier, which is that kind of like feeling like somebody's being passed off to somebody else. I think that when we're talking about doing sales training, I think that Steve Farnsworth actually made a really good suggestion um, the other day to me, which was he's a big advocate of marketing folks going along and doing ride-alongs essentially, or like sitting in on sales meetings. Um, And you don't have to explain who you are or what you're doing there. It's more just so that you understand, when, especially if you're talking about going with good salespeople, right? Because people who close a lot of business are obviously closing a lot of business for a reason, You want to understand what it is that they're saying and how they're saying it that people tend to gravitate toward. Why wouldn't you want to know that? It's only going to help you create and craft better marketing messaging if you know what's working when someone's in the room. Um, I think that that's an amazing idea. um, And I think that it's really helpful. And it's, I think it would also help break down barriers between sales and marketing departments that have actually continued to cause, um, bigger and bigger problems for most organizations. And I think that conversely sales could actually learn a lot by saying like, looking at a lot of marketing's copy and being like, how did these people find us? Like what did, what about this specific asset or thing seemed to work or what was their path? Like, how did they consume this information in order to get to me in the first place? Like, how did they get to this demo that we're in? Um, you know, and I think that if, if everybody kind of had that opportunity, it would probably be a lot better. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know that they need to go through sales training. Um, the only other thing I would add on to that is besides doing like the ride alongs or like joining some sales conversations just to listen in and hear how people are describing things is, the other benefit is you want everybody to be on message or like at least talking about things in some kind of similar way. And again, it goes back to that seamless experience because if you have a marketing department that's really kind of going at things and branding things one way, and then you've got a sales department that kind of comes at it from a completely different voice, even if you're saying the same thing, there's a really big difference in tonal shifts and you want to know those things because that again creates this break in experience um, that can sometimes cause people to just feel like a little iffy. And if they were already on the fence, you probably just pushed them off of it. Yeah. And that brings up a really good point that I hear over and over by, you know, some of the speakers in our industry is that it all comes down to human behavior and actual interaction. I think as digital marketers, sometimes we get too focused on, you know, just being online and not actually interfacing with people or looking at how actual people really search and interact with companies. And so that's because the sales team are way more um, front facing. So they have those conversations that are actual phone conversations or um, they're just more interactive. They do have a better idea of what the customer is asking and what 
they're expecting as well. And they know the customer's voice. They know the tone. They have like a more back and forth rapport than we as marketers would normally have. And a lot of times that's where you're going to get the real information about what what is the real tone? How formal or casual is it? How kind of professional um, or advanced or novice are these conversations? Like those are things where you can mine a lot of data about your user without having to do typical marketing things like asking questions directly is you could just find a lot of that information out on your own by just talking to your sales team. Yes, definitely. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, recording with us today. I thought it was really insightful. Thank you. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, it made me help. Uh, it made me not hate sales as much. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> every every little step. <laughs> All right. Thank you again. This is Aaron Robbins and Kelsey Jones for Marketing Nerds. Thank you.